Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Thrilled to have you guys with us. Could not do it without you. Appreciate you greatly. So, yeah, guys, you know, look, every once in a while, we all need a little bit of tough love. Okay? Every once in a while, we all need it. All right? So, um, that, to me, is what I'm here to give today to Clemson fans. Way too many. And I'm not saying all of you guys are like this, but way too many of you are like, oh, well, you know what? We had a great run under Davo, and if that's it, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms, and, you know, we'll never challenge him for what he's done. We'll love him forever. It's okay to both, A, appreciate what somebody's done, and, B, expect them to maintain the level of excellence that they established. Okay? That's okay. That's totally fine. Right? Totally fine. At the same token, um, you know, like, you're not being disrespectful to say, Dabo, you know, look, the last few years, you know, we're, we haven't been at that 800-plus winning percentage. The last few years, we've been at 750. We exp- we, you raise the bar. We give you credit for raising the bar. But the bar stays where you raised it. We got a call. Uh, his name was Guy, and he's like, hey, Mark, who else has a raised bar? You know, like, whataboutism is one of the lowest forms of debate, Gus. Like, we've got to do better than that. Whataboutism traces all the way back to when you had a sister that was eating more candy than you, and you said, Mommy, what about her? And, like, for some reason, we're still doing that. And it's one of our favorite comebacks whenever we feel like our team is being falsely or singled out in the crosshairs. Okay, like, stop it with this. You know, like Clemson set the bar of being a top three, top five national championship team. And the last three years, they've dropped a number 20, they dropped a number 13, and they dropped a number 14. You're not a bad fan. You're not against your program for saying, look, guys, I notice an issue here. We expect you to maintain the bar that you've set. There's no problem with that. Now, on the other side of the coin is the South Carolina Gamecocks. And, you know, like as we're talking about setting standards, and because I know that many of you are going to be throwing out what aboutism in our direction, okay, what about this, what about that, what about them, which is, for whatever reason, it's what we do. I don't get why. I don't understand the why. Um, 
I don't fully get it, but, you know, what should the standard at South Carolina be? You know, like, admittedly, Steve Spurrier set the bar, and no one has been able to maintain the bar that Steve Spurrier set. Spurrier has the best um, winning percentage all-time at South Carolina, okay? Steve Spurrier at South Carolina won 86 times in 135 games. That is a winning percentage of 637, okay? That's not a very high bar, if I'm honest with you. 637. Steve Spurrier in the SEC was 44 and 40. Steve Spurrier in the SEC won 52% of his games. That is not an overly high bar, if I'm honest with you. So, look, guys, I'm here to be reasonable. I'm here to understand that, you know, history plays a part of this. But at the same token, the only thing that South Carolina has missed, okay, is missing, has been the right leader to lead them. That's it. You know, before Clemson had Dabo Sweeney, they were South Carolina, essentially. They just played in an easier conference, okay, nondescript, one national championship, kind of a regression to the mean after that national championship. South Carolina is only missing the elite head coach. They're only missing the guy, okay? So if Steve Spurrier sets the bar with a winning percentage of 637, Shane Beamer right now is giving you 526. I think the bar, I think a very fair and very, very reasonable bar is 600. 600. Be a 600 team year after year. That's an average year of 8-5. and five. That's what Tommy Bowden put up at Clemson. 7.6 wins, 4.6 losses. Well, the way you're scheduling out of conference, you should be able to pick up at least three guaranteed wins, and you should be beating Clemson if not 50-50, you know, you should be winning two out of five, three out of ten, something like that. You ought to be winning at least three out of ten. Yeah, this year, Diesel, Old Dominion. Win. Akron. Win. Vanderbilt. Win. Wofford. Win. I mean, that's that's your non-conference schedule. Oh, Vanderbilt's, Vanderbilt is a conference. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a conference game, but it's still a win. Right? Right. Then they have Clemson in the non-conference, too. So, Diesel, if you go in those four games, Old Dominion, Akron, uh, Vanderbilt, Wofford, you go 4-0. You've got, including a bowl game, you have nine more games. If you go 4-5 and five in those remaining nine games, you, you, you hit the bar. You hit the standard. Give South Carolina a 600. The standard should be reach 600. Steve Spurrier was 637. Now, his best years were better than that. But all told, at South Carolina, 637. So how about a bar of 600? You know, at the University of Florida, you got to be at 700 or better to keep your job. Dan Mullen fell just short. Once he did, he was replaced. Okay? South Carolina doesn't have Florida standards. But as we increase and as we grow, and it's it's great to, to grow as a program, Right? South Carolina can expect to do better things. And so why not increase that standard right now? Why, why, why not establish what the standard is for your team? 
You are a South Carolina Gamecock fan. Okay. Um, you, you are a South Carolina Gamecock fan. What do you think about this? What should your standard be? 71307 on the text line is where you can get to us on the show. Uh, and you can give us a call on the Renewal by Anderson fan phone at 844-326-3663. That's 844-326-3663 is the number to get to us on the show today. 71307 on the text line is where we can, where you guys can get to us. Uh, texter wants to know, could we see Clemson fall and South Carolina uh, rise? I, I mean, I suppose anything is possible. But I think we've seen Shane Beamer kind of struggle with, you know, getting to a firm foundation with what South Carolina is. He's had a mass exodus every single year, every single year. Diesel, buy or sell South Carolina. The standard should be a 600 winning percentage. They are roughly 500. They're roughly mediocre for their career. You want to set a new standard. Shane Beamer's 523. Steve Spurrier's 637. Give me 600. 600 winning percentage. Yeah, I mean, I buy that. That's a program that fancies itself as a program on the rise. You know, South Carolina fans love talking about, you know, the branding situation they've got going on, the recording studio that you've got in there. You, you talk about how great Williams-Brice Stadium is. You talk about how great the atmosphere is, that you show up no matter what, unless the weather's bad. Um, but you're not getting the wins for it. And I understand Completely, that the SEC is a very difficult conference to win it. It is very difficult to have upward mobility in the SEC. You know, it's going to be real tough, not impossible, but real tough for South Carolina to become where to get where Tennessee is right now, to get where Georgia is right now, to get where Alabama is right now. That's a very difficult place to achieve. There's a reason why only a handful of those programs do it. There's not this churn like there is in the NFL. The elite programs stay elite because they do everything at an elite level, and somewhere in the organization, somewhere in the program, there are breakdowns. You have to identify one of those breakdowns and improve it. That's how you start incrementally building up and up and up and up and up. So 600, I'm fine with 600, especially if you're going to do what Chris Phillips wants them to do, which is schedule as easy as possible out of conference. You can't schedule as easy as possible and say, well, you know, we only have, we went five and seven this year. No, it doesn't work that way. Uh, Texter says, Mark, seems like you're taking a shot at South Carolina on their out-of-conference schedule. Well, no, Texter. It's more so that South Carolina and under Beamer has now put themselves in the class of the program that is just fighting to make a bowl game. Kentucky does that every year. Rutgers does that every year. Indiana does that every year. I think it's weak sauce personally. You know, like that mindset says, okay, for us, making a bowl game is critically important. We got to go 4-0 at our non-conference. We got to go 2-6 and in the rest of our games, and that gets us to 6-6 six and six in a bowl game. Is that, Texter, if that's where you want to settle as a, uh, as a Clemson fan, if that's where you want to settle as a, as a Gamecock fan, then settle there. Okay, but but like that's not what would what I would recommend. That's that mentality we says we would schedule three FCS teams if we could and have them all count for bowl eligibility. Yes, you would if you could. Why would you do that? 
Texter says the only way to go is up when you're at rock bottom. Texter, the Gamecocks aren't at rock bottom. Like, you know, like Vanderbilt is at rock bottom. South Carolina is, you know, mid-level. They're middling. You know, like they know they're middling. They're trying to rise up. Clemson is not middling, but, you know, Clemson is that girl at the high school reunion that doesn't look the way she used to, and she's trying to hang on, Diesel. She's trying. Like, she's got she's got all the makeup. She's got the, the cheap tanning spray on. She's fighting, against, she's fighting against all that she has to maintain that appearance that she had, that youthful appearance. What you're saying is Clemson is in danger of being a peaked in high school kind of program. Yeah. You peaked. Yeah. And you fell off. Yeah. And I'm saying don't let that happen. Fight for that. Maintain that. This should never be a, hey, we had a good run. Now we'll gladly take our place in the corner as an also-ran in college football. Okay? As an also-ran. Last three seasons. Okay? Last three seasons. You guys, your average finish ranking was 16th. That's not meeting the standard. And I'm not about to hit you with the best is the standard thing. Because I understand what Dabo means by that. Everybody doing their best. Everybody achieving their best. But you got you and I both know that if that was actually taking place, okay, like if that was actually happening here, um, then you would be better than you are. If everyone was achieving their potential, you'd be better than you are. There's nothing wrong with saying that. There's nothing wa- wrong with admitting that truth. Texter says, Mark, I agree. 600 should be the bar at South Carolina. The bar at Clemson should be 900 because they are in the ACC. So says JT and Greer. JT and Greer, nobody is 900. Nobody. The best coaches consistently are at about an 800 winning percentage. That's four out of five. That represents the elite of the elite of the elite in college football. Okay. And so, you know, I've seen it over the course of my career. 600 at Florida gets you fired. 700, and the fan base will tolerate you, but they're a little squeamish. 800 is the expectation. Elite level is the expectation. Dabo just went under 800 at Clemson. 798 is Dabo at Clemson. Is that okay for you? Is that okay? You know, guys, it's, it's okay to have standards. It's okay not to budge on the standards that you have. And if you're a South Carolina fan, it's okay to set a standard. It's okay to establish what that standard is and set that standard. You certainly can do that. 71307 is where you can get to us on the text line coming up next on the show. Um, If you think this team is going to be right back at it because of their talent level, not so fast, my friend. That's next. And this is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark, Ron, and Diesel, and we are the fan upstate.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Offsides. Mark, Ryan, and Diesel. We are the fan upstate. Uh, Johnny Carrots tweets in, show me where Clemson fans are saying this. I don't know a single person that thinks, well, we had a good run, but it's over. I guess we run in different circles of fans. Very much so, Johnny Carrots. Very, very much so. You know, like, it. sometimes, guys, it, it, gets, it gets me when people are like, I haven't heard that. I don't know anybody. So it's like, if you don't know anybody in your circle, right, that means it doesn't happen? That means it doesn't exist? We live in a world where, world where people say, I don't like other people. I only like my dogs. I don't talk to anyone else. And then they say, well, I don't know anybody. Well, because you don't know anybody. You only know your dogs. Would you guys agree as well? And look, guys, I'm not critical of you, okay? We're not being critical of you. Would you guys agree as well that, like, Diesel and I are exposed to a larger portion of the Clemson fan base than you are? Definitely, right? You're exposed to your circle and your family and friends. We're exposed to darn near everybody, okay? Um, You know, the number one market for this show's downloads is in Columbia, South Carolina, we're exposed to darn near everybody. So believe me when I tell you, no, 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 Dabo's not in trouble. He's had a good run, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's, guys, it's okay if you're a Clemson fan to say, I'm concerned. I'm concerned with what I've seen. I'm concerned with where things are and where things are going. I'm concerned. That's okay. Like, why, why wouldn't that be an okay thing to say? You know, like I... I, I, I don't get that. I don't understand that at all. Um, and, you know, like, we're here to have common sense discussions here. Okay? Like, we're here to say, hey, Dabo, we got to call you to the carpet a little bit. Because I will tell you this, um, Johnny Carrots, I haven't seen one Clemson fan call Dabo to the carpet. Say, hey, Dabo, the last, the last three years... Our average finish is number 16. That is a lowering of the bar, right? That's a lowering of the bar. We don't want the bar to be lowered around here. So what are we going to do about it? It's okay to express concern is really what I want to say. If you're a Gamecock fan, it's okay to have elite-level standards. That's okay. Uh, Texter says, Mark, it's amazing how one bad year and how soon everyone forgets 2022. I think it's a building process via recruiting and the portal. 
Um, this year's minimum should be six or seven. Next year should be seven or eight. If they go five or worse this season, they need to make changes at uh, head coach. Well, Texter, I mean, I realize for a minute you're telling me this year should be six or seven. So you're saying in year four of a head coach, six wins is good enough for you. Do you not see the problem with that in year four? No one's forgotten 2022. It's just that, you know, the feeling was that was going to be the trend at South Carolina under Shane Beamer and not a blip. And it looks like it's a little bit of a blip, right? Texter says, Mark, 800 winning percentage is getting that that fool Ryan Day fired at Ohio State. It might. I've never seen one coach under more pressure to win a game than Ryan Day is at Ohio State. Never seen it, never witnessed it in my entire existence. Texter says, if you say 800 at Clemson allows for two losses per season, and I think that's okay, but probably not championship level. Georgia and Alabama are expected to go 11-1 and every year. But, but JT and Greer, the bottom line is when you factor in the good seasons and the bad seasons, okay, 800 is the mark of elite head coaches. Um, that, that's the mark, okay? And that's always been the mark of elite head coaches, okay? Like, it's, that's, that's the way it is. That's, that's what it is in, in that sport, okay? Best all-time record in college football, Newt Rockney, winning percentage of 881. Frank Leahy, winning percentage of 864 is up next, followed by Urban Meyer. Among active coaches, well, they still have an active next to Nick Saban. they got to remove that little star. Nick Saban was 806. Dabo Sweeney is 798. Brian Kelly is way down the list at 729. So you see what we're saying here, right? Jim Tressel, 828. Bob Stoops, 799. Chris Peterson at Boise State in Washington, 795. The elite head coaches traditionally put out a record of 800, okay? 700 is good, will not get you fired most places, Mark Richt at uh, Georgia and Miami was 728. That's what we think of Mark Richt. He was good. You know, Mark Richt was a good head coach. You feel good if, if, uh, if he's your head coach, right? James Franklin is right under 700 winning percentage, right under that mark. But as you guys see, that is the mark that has been set. Either you uh, exceed on that or you don't. And that's, that's how it goes. All right, my friends, so I wanted to quickly shift gears to this. You know, um, my dad always said this to me. And, you know, like whenever my teams would have a tough loss and my dad was always just insanely and eternally positive, my old man would say to me, Mark, we'll get him next year. Like that's, that's what everybody says, right? He's not reinventing the wheel. We'll get him next year. And so I, I wanted to just take a quick look and see what are the odds that you actually do get them next year. Okay, what are the odds? Because we just saw the San Francisco 49ers make it to the Super Bowl. Was their second time making it to the Super Bowl in the last five years? Was their fourth time making it to the conference championship game in the last five years? We saw Kansas City win their third Super Bowl in the last five years. We witnessed that, right? 
But here's the reality. If you think the 49ers are going to make it right back to the Super Bowl because they are just supremely talented, I would say to you, not so fast, my friend. Since, okay, since 2000, only three of 23 Super Bowl losers have made it back to the Super Bowl within five years. Jim Kelly's Buffalo Bills, Peyton Manning's Broncos, Tom Brady's Patriots, um, Patrick Mahomes lost a Super Bowl in 2020 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He became the fourth. Okay, so now four uh, in 24 years have made it back to the Super Bowl within five years. Four out of 24. That's one and six within five years. Not next year, San Francisco, within five years. So when you guys hear me say that, man, you know what? I look at the 49ers. I look at Kyle Shanahan. Um, Every active coach that has won a Super Bowl did so between year two at his team and year seven at his team. When I look at that fact and I, I honor that fact, okay, that was year seven for Kyle Shanahan at San Francisco. That may have been his last shot. That may have been it for him. That may have been all she wrote. What happens after year seven? I have no idea. I don't know why that's the statistic. I'd have to talk to GMs and owners and coaches to fully grasp that, does the message get stale? Is there a loss of belief in the team at this point? But realize, my friends, that the odds are completely against Kyle Shanahan now getting over the hump at San Francisco. Completely against him, right? Com- the odds are completely against him. So that's what I would say. You know what I mean? That's what I would say. Um, so... Uh, we're getting a lot of comments on the Dabo Sweeney commentary. Uh, a lot of people are saying, I haven't heard Clemson fans say this, yet we have Clemson dudes saying he's my guy because I know we will be back on top. Next year starts the new run, hashtag go Tigers. Texter says, Mark, what was June Jones' overall record? Texter, you're more than welcome to look that up. More than welcome to look that up if you'd like. Texter says, Mark, I thought South Carolina was going to be 8-4 last year. 2023 was a massive regression from the expectations after beating Tennessee and Clemson in 2022. Texter wants to know if the Clemson faithful have gone soft. I think the Clemson faithful are a little bit at a crossroads. You know, like they're at a little bit of a crossroads right now. They have done everything together. They have stayed together. They have been all in, but for the first time, there are dissenting opinions within the Clemson fan base. Should you as a Clemson fan base just be blindly appreciative for everything Dabo Sweeney has done? Just blindly appreciative. Or should you be a little bit concerned? You know, like I think I think Clemson fans and Dabo are at a point where if we got to that point on this show, it would be like, you know, we had six months where we were just kind of listless. And my boss brought us into a meeting and said, guys, we love you. We love the show. Dabba, we love you. We love the program. But the last six months have just kind of felt like they've lacked a little bit of juice. You guys do an ass-kicking show. You know, we take no prisoners. You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. That's our MO on the show. But if we just kind of came here and went through the motions and were kind of listless, 
I think it might take about six months for my boss to bring us in and say, guys, let's let's uh, let's look at what's going on here. We're, we're a little bit concerned with what we're hearing. That's where we are with Dabo. No one's saying fire him. We're just like, OK, you know, like this is not, you know, Clemson was the it program for a while. Clemson is no longer the it program. It's OK to have a meeting about it. It's OK to be concerned about it. It's OK to say we're not willing to lower the bar. We've got Chris Phillips joining you next right here on the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the Fan Upstate. It's Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the Fan Upstate. Thrilled to have you guys with us on a Monday edition of the show. Joined right now by our good friend Chris Phillips of... This, the SEC Unfiltered, now covering not one but 16 SEC teams. Chris Phillips joins us right now on the show. Hey, Chris, what's good, man? How's life? Mark, doing well, man. Appreciate you having me on. You and Diesel both. Um, Baseball season has officially begun, getting in full swing. we got a great slate this weekend, guys, I would tell you. I know there's still some in the area and just some folks in general that maybe aren't quite sold on college baseball. This upcoming weekend will be a great weekend to catch games. South Carolina Clemson taking place, of course. We've also got Florida Miami. We've got Georgia Georgia Tech. We've got some great tournament play upcoming. It's going to be electric. So, Chris, I want to share this with you because, you know, like we are all products of our environments. Each and every one of us is. College baseball is a big deal here. It hasn't been a big deal everywhere else I've ever worked, okay? Uh, I've gotten into it here. And when you get into it, you realize, man, how is this postseason really much different at all than March Madness? And if March Madness is such a big deal, why isn't college baseball's postseason a bigger deal nationally? At be- it, Like, it's probably a big deal locally. At best, it's a big deal regionally. Chris, the national ratings on average, Final Four versus uh, College Baseball World Series – 11 for the Final Four, 1 for the College Baseball World Series. 11 to 1, Chris. Why? Well, I think there's a couple of reasons, Mark, when you unpack it. You know, I think number one, think about what makes March Madness great. The buzzer beaters, the dramatics, the upsets. You know, I think you get some of those in college baseball, but you're not necessarily getting buzzer beaters. It's three-game series instead of just one game, do or die. It's, you know, the College World Series even is a double elimination format, and I think – you know, as you've pointed out, Mark, at times when there is no uh, safety net to catch you, right, the game is being a little bit more and there's more dramatics and there's even more Yeah, flair. but one so game, that's... Chris, that's not much of a safety net. I mean, a best you wouldn't want baseball, a sport as random to, as that, to be, uh, you know, best of one, right? Well, I agree. I, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with you 110%, but I think that is part of the reason. I think the other reason, though, Mark, too, the gambling aspect. I mean, I still think, obviously, basketball is far more gambled on, especially at the collegiate level. I mean, right now, it's really difficult to ever really even find a college baseball line anywhere or throw any bets down. So I think the gambling aspect of March Madness, really, it, 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 you know, it elevates it to a level unlike anything else. And, again, I think baseball is just still kind of a niche sport, admittedly, Mark. So I think those reasons, I think college baseball is doing a great job of catching up, right? I think the postseason, we're seeing it grow and grow, and certainly the – attendance numbers at the college world series are second and no uh no other postseason tournament but uh you know march madness i mean it just it stands alone man there's nothing really like it 
How come then, Chris, college softball is also beating college baseball? I mean, the, the, the women's softball World Series is beating the college World Series. What does that say to you? Well, you know, Mark, I think one of the reasons probably is college softball is a faster-paced game. I mean, I, I think that's the one knock against baseball, and I think that's why you saw, you know, the pitch clock come into play in the major leagues. And, and I think the biggest knock against baseball is it is the slowest-paced game of any of the major sports, you know what I mean? It's not everybody can sit through nine innings. It, it can get a little lethargic at times. But you, you know, I don't have the numbers pulled up in front of me. But when you talk about how much game action there actually is in a baseball game, it's not very much. You know what I mean? So you have to really enjoy and love the nuances of it, if you will. Uh, I think to appreciate the game of baseball at times. But that's one of the beauties of it too: is that you can take a friend out to a ball game and sit there. And have a cold beverage and pay attention to none of the game and still really enjoy yourself. But I think softball, if you watch it, Mark, it's a really fun, high-energy, fast-paced field is smaller. Plays are happening quicker. And, you know, I think that'd probably be why. But uh, outside of that, I don't really know. I mean, I know the Women's College World Series does really well. So that's, uh, you know, that's an interesting number for sure. Chris, as a longtime college baseball fan, how have you seen college baseball as a whole change over the past few years to make it more exciting. I, you know, I'm looking at uh, the, the home runs per game stats in college baseball right now. There are eight, or excuse me, 19 programs that have over 15 home runs on the season so far. You know, there's, there's a dozen, almost 20 programs that are averaging, averaging two homers a game. Offense seems to be way up. That would suggest to say that offense is way up. But, but in what other ways are you seeing college baseball become more exciting even over the past five to ten years? Well, I think Diesel for sure, first off. They, they've done different things to the baseball to make it fly further. I mean, I think uh, trying to deny that would be just just false, right? I mean, you go back to 2010 when the BB Core era started and they changed up the bats and everything, and they needed to, right, because it was like the baseball was coming off a trampoline when guys would hit it and got to a point where it was actually kind of dangerous. Uh, but I remember 2010 when they kind of, you know, they killed the bats, if you will. And I think Texas that year, I think Texas went to the College World Series and, and uh, you know, hit didn't hit any home runs, basically. The offense was lethargic, but they had like a 1.16 ERA. So the game really sided towards the pitchers. And, and I think you're seeing, obviously, now guys, folks love 99-mile-an-hour, 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. They love 500-foot home runs. Uh, they love the fireworks, and so the baseball has come around. The bats have kind of evened out. Offense certainly has taken control. So, you know, I also think the players, these are just getting better, just just flat out getting better. Um, the, you know, the product of the college game as a whole, because the players have gotten so much better. I mean, it's like watching, you know, I think I mentioned this to you either last week or two weeks ago. It's like watching double A. You know what I mean? That's It's kind of what you're watching. Like, these are the stars that are in the major leagues, at least in the SEC. Um, so I think that's been the biggest difference, man. I think it's just the players have improved. I think the game, you know, offensively, it's favoring the offensive guys. And, um, you know, you're seeing a lot more home runs on a consistent basis. So, again, that's bringing a lot more electricity. And I think, too, you know, with NIL, I think the beauty of that is maybe some guys that were going straight to the draft and, and going to the pros or deciding to go to school, play a couple years at college. And so, again, more great players are, are coming to the SEC and going to college baseball and, and uh, and playing well. I also think, guys, like the game, I think the game has always been really, really exciting, but I think it's getting more exposure now. Like, I, I think that's the biggest thing, and I still think it's it's extremely under-televised, right? Like, this past weekend, we had Arkansas, Oregon State, and, you know, we had that uh, the college baseball series down in Arlington with all these great teams, a couple that are probably going to be in the College World Series, and 
you had to pay $30 for a flow baseball subscription to watch it. Right. And that was weekend one as well. Tennessee was in that, in that tournament and you couldn't watch it unless you pay for that subscription. I, I think we're going to get more so to the days where maybe a network like ESPN or some other network picks that up where folks can really watch that and we can get even more exposure. But I mean, I think all of the streaming options with ESPN plus SEC network plus and, and all the postseason, obviously being on TV, SEC network, picking up, uh, televising all these SEC games. I just think it's getting more exposure, and people are seeing how exciting the product really is. But, guys, it's like anything else. As the players get better, I think the game gets better and more exciting, and that's what we've seen. Chris Phillips joining us here. SEC Unfiltered is his brand here on Offsides. Mark Ryan and Diesel, we are the fan upstate. Um, Chris, we've had a discussion on standards here on the show today, and – You know, my belief is we're seeing from some Clemson fans a lowering of the bar. I don't think you should ever be okay with lowering the bar. It sounds something like this. We had a good run under Dabo. It was great. He's our guy. He's earned the right to always be our guy. If we never get back, he's our guy. The elite mark for head coaches, Chris, is an 800-plus winning percentage. Dabo was there. He isn't there anymore. The last three seasons, uh, Clemson football has produced a 750 winning percentage. Tommy Bowden was 615. He got nine years. Very clearly, they established 615 winning percentage is not winning, is not meeting the bar. Do you get the sense that the bar is slipping at Clemson a little bit? I do, Mark. I I do slightly. Um, You know, because to your point, I mean, I I see this a lot on social media too, right? I think last year when when Dabo was – being a little bit passive aggressive and even at times just flat out being aggressive and, and going at Tyler from Spartanburg and, and others and talking about, I believe you mentioned, he said the the 2.9% or the 2% of fans or whatever, the, the bottom percentage of, of Clemson folks that kind of ruined it for everybody else. But, you know, when you set best is the standard and you're not reaching the best, then, you know, I, I mean, I, I think you have to look back at yourself and look in the mirror and say, what are we not doing? And I think Clemson fans, I think some folks out there, uh, are excusing it. I, I think it's because, you know, you grow to it, – it's, you know, people take it so personally with the coaches are like your family and the players are like your kids. Darned if anybody's going to say anything negative or critical of those people. But, uh, I mean, again, I, I've seen a lot of Clemson fans, Mark, on social media that have complained about, you know, hey, Dabo, you're the one that set the standard, that best is the standard. And, you know, it's not being met. And I, and I think there's some that are certainly excusing that. But I, I think a lot of people are, are very irritated with it, honestly. And I think – you know, we saw last season Dabo lose some of that that goodwill that he had built up. Even a guy like Dabo Sweeney, who's won a pair of national championships, that you know it can happen quickly. No coach, I always say, is immune to the effects of of losing, right? And if you start losing, it doesn't matter what you have done; it's what have you done lately type of business. So, um, you know, Mark, I, I think there, you know, I think the standard you could argue it's slipping a bit because I think you know, especially as college football changes, people are going to try to justify with, well, you know, with the portal now, with an IL and with conference realignment and this and that. And there's always an excuse, right? There's, there's nothing better to have in your back pocket than a, than a good excuse. So I, I think certainly you can feel that somewhat. And for Clemson, Mark, I would say there's really no excuse for them. I know Florida State has come along, but, you know, I, I hate to pull up the conference thing, but being in the ACC, I mean, it's nothing like being in the SEC where there's no reason, in my opinion, Clemson, they've got every single advantage. They play in an SEC stadium. They've got SEC resources and support. There is absolutely no reason Clemson football shouldn't be winning double-digit games and be at the top of the ACC. So, um, and I think anybody who doesn't agree with that, I, I think, is lowering the bar for what they've been for so long. 
Chris, if the South Carolina men's team played the South Carolina women's team and spotted them <laughs> 20 points, who would win? You know, Diesel, these are always just such fun <laughs> questions. Um, the men would win. The, the men would win. I, I just, come on, man. I, it's, you know, I, I, I the, the women are great. The women wait, are wait, awesome. wait, wait. What would um, the score be? Men versus women. Give me the score. It Chris. wouldn't. It wouldn't be close. Okay. It wouldn't be close. I, I'll no, give you the score. I'll give you the score. Are you ready? Okay. Eighty to forty. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's guys. I remember back in back in the day when I worked in the corporate world. Look, when I back lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I was in a sales position at the time. And so there were like a lot of former college athletes that worked there. That just seemed to be kind of the thing to do. A lot of whatever. Anyways, there was a group of guys there, a group of five guys that were former like D two or D one, whatever, former college basketball players. Obviously, they were they were washed up, right? Five or six years they played. And there was a bet going around the office that they felt like, and this is when UConn was number one, they felt like that they could start a pickup team and beat UConn, the UConn Huskies. We've had, we've had a similar person here, Chris. <laughs> we have a similar, the owner of Stack's Original Restaurant, Michael Stathakis, is in his mid to late 30s. And he believes he could get like his, his soccer playing buddies that had like a men's league at the Y could beat the U.S. women's national team. Like he, he believes that. You know, like it's it's crazy how wide the opinions are, how widely off they are, well, aren't they? Chris, if you want to see this play out in real life, I don't know if you're a golfer. I don't know if you follow much, but uh, mm. one of my favorite golf YouTubers, his name is Rick Shields. He plays golf with the elite players on the tour, like Tommy Fleetwood, guys like that. And he he gets spotted 10 strokes and all he has to do is end up level par with him and he loses every single time. Like he is a good golfer in his own right but he is not a tour-level golfer. That is a very different thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, guys, again, and it's no knock against the women. Like, I, I just don't think it is at all. But, like, when you look at the the physical matchup, they just don't stand a chance. I mean, they're, they're, getting, they're getting beat up and bullied all day. So, I mean, it's – yeah, I would take the South Carolina men's team. Even, you know, if you asked me this question last year when that team was terrible, i still take the South Carolina men's team just from the physical aspect and – yeah, I, so I just I don't I don't I've never I've always thought that question was funny and, and I've always had the same answer that the men the worst men's team would beat the best women's team. All right, my uh, my friends, here we go. Um, let us do this, Chris. Let us do this. So, South Carolina, their standard, Chris. Um, Steve Spurrier put up a six thirty seven. Most a majority of head coaches at that school have been under five hundred. Set the bar for me, Chris. Eight and five would be six fifteen. That got Tommy Bowden fired at Clemson, but that's the ACC All Cupcakes Conference. This is the land of kings, the SEC. Why not, Chris? A six hundred winning percentage bar. Right now, Beamer's at five twenty three. Six hundred would get you fired at Florida. Gamecocks don't have the same expectation at Florida. Dan Mullen got fired when he fell under seven hundred at the University of Florida. Okay, 800 is elite, 700 is good. How about the bar? Let's set the bar 600 for the Gamecocks. Gamecocks football, what do you say? I think that's fair. I mean, I think you can go a little bit above that, Mark, and say 625. You know, I know Steve Spurrier was at 637, and he's the greatest ever do it. So, But to your point, Mark, I mean, at some point you have to raise the bar. You have to raise your expectations. I mean, it's it's very, very easy to sit here and say that, you know, South Carolina has always been what they've always been, and they always be what they've always been. And, and we could just, you know, write them off for the rest of eternity, and they'll be a six and six 
five and seven program forever. But if you don't want to be that, at some point you can't accept that. And you do have to raise the expectations. You do have to raise the standards. And you do have to raise the bar. So, um, you know, to your point, I think that is fair. I think that is, you know, I, I've always said, Mark, that I, I really do believe that realistic expectations for South Carolina football year in, year out. And I want to keep in mind, you got to walk before you can run, right? So, you know, obviously you want to get to the point where you're expecting double-digit win seasons, where you have Clemson's type of expectations. to get. If you don't get to the college ball playoff, it's a bad year, right? Those are great expectations to have, but you got to walk before you can run. I think realistic expectations for South Carolina on a year-in, year-out basis, you are a program winning eight to nine games per year, and every, let's just say, three to four years, conservatively, three to four years, you either you've got the right quarterback or you're a veteran team or you did really well in the portal or the schedule breaks well your way, right? You have a favorable schedule, and you can make the playoff. Like, I think that is realistic expectations for South Carolina. And some folks may disagree Either they're too conservative or they're too aggressive. But I think those are realistic. And so to your point, Mark, that would probably require above a 625 winning percentage. But I don't see why South Carolina can't be an eight-win-per-year program. I I don't know why over the course of a decade they can't average eight wins per year. You know what I mean? They've always been a 500 program, always been six and six. And I don't really know what the reason is. It's hard to point to one thing or another. But I, I do think, to your point, Mark, that should be the standard. That should be the minimum expectation, whether that's you evaluate a coach after three years, after four years, after five. If you're not meeting that standard, you really have to ask yourself as a Gamecock fan, is doing what we've always done good enough, being 500, going six and six? Or to your point, should there be a minimum expectation of you need to be at this this bar at minimum to continue to have a future here. And I think that's a question that the Gamecocks very well may have to face sooner rather than later. Chris, there's still three quality opponents left on the basketball schedule. Two of them ranked. Uh, Texas A&M is sitting, I think they were sitting as the first one out or maybe the last one in on the most recent bracketology. Seven seed is where they're projected right now. Are they a lock no matter what happens over the remainder of the season? So uh, four games left in the regular season. Let's say you take a bath in three out of those four. I don't think that's going to happen. But let's just say you take a bath in three out of four and you stink it up in the SEC men's tournament. Are they still in the NCAA tournament in your mind? You know, Diesel, I would love to say yes. But I recall a couple years ago when South Carolina – I believe they set a record you did not want to set. There had never been an SEC team, I think, with you where it was 25 wins, I think, overall that had gotten left out of the NCAA tournament, and they did that. Um, I'll just say this, Diesel. Would I say they're in? I would say they're probably in, but you never want to leave it up in the hands of the committee when you're a school like South Carolina that does not have great history and tradition. Currently sitting in the 40s in the net. They may, to that point, they may do what they did a few years ago and look at South Carolina and look at Syracuse and say, you know what, this team may have more wins, but they kind of struggled down the stretch or they did this, they did that. But we know Syracuse. They're a brand. Let's put them in instead. You know what I mean? But, but Chris, if I could, like the net doesn't use helmet scouting. Okay, the net is all analytics and computers. The net doesn't care what you've done or what prestige level your program has. Why the hell is Gamecock basketball in the 40s in the net? You know, something that doesn't care what you've done in the past. Well, explain that to me. 
That's a great point, Mark. I mean, I, you know, I think we've thought before that thankfully there's people that are much smarter than me that, that figure that out. Um, you know, we've seen it. The numbers all year have not liked South Carolina. The computers don't like them for whatever reason. And they just keep winning. So, to you guys' point, I mean, as long as South Carolina continues to win, they, they do have a – you know, I think that game against Texas A&M is really tricky. Uh, Buzz Williams is that, – that Texas A&M team is one of those teams you just can't figure out. They're one of the most inconsistent teams, I think, in college basketball. But at their place, right, I mean, any, any road atmosphere in the SEC, and like you mentioned, A&M is going to be – they're going to be desperate on Wednesday night. They've got to have it. They're right there on the edge, right there on the bubble. So, um, I don't think the Gamecocks are going to go one in three in their Final Four either. But you got that A and M game. You've got Tennessee again at Colonial Life Arena. So some really tough matchups upcoming. And I mean, if you want to help your case, go 500 or better, uh, win a game or two in Nashville in the SEC tournament. You're, you're going to be 110 in it. But to your point, Mark, I, I don't know why the computers hate South Carolina. I don't know if it's because they don't win flashy or they don't do things in a sexy way. But I mean, all they do is win, and that's really all that matters. His name is Chris Phillips, owns, runs, operates, SEC Unfiltered. Why cover one SEC team when you can cover 16? He does so very, very well. Thank you, pal. As always, we appreciate catching up with you. Mark and Diesel, appreciate you guys. You have a great week. All right, and we will hit you with the top five at five when we come back here on the Fan Upstate. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.